Spirit of God is a wonderful thing, isn't it? I'm glad we get to come together as God's children and kind of forget the, the worries of this world because they're out there. We don't need to, listen, they'll be waiting on us. We can put it aside for just a few moments and take our time and just honor Him. Put Him first. I promise you this, the bigger you make Him, the smaller your problems will be. That's pretty good stuff. I did say it, didn't I? The bigger you make him, the smaller your problems will be. And let me say this. You don't have to try real hard to make him real big. Because he already is. I think the point is, is we just got to recognize that. We got to recognize his glory. We got to recognize he's an awesome God. He's an The Bible says, who are you going to compare to him? Who you, he, he's... You, you can't even describe him. There's no, there's no attributes you could apply to him that would be justified in describing who he really Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. What a God. I mean, God's just awesome. I'm just telling you, he loves us. We're, we're, I'm pitiful. I just got to be honest with you. I have issues. I don't know about y'all. I know y'all don't have no issues, but I got issues. I get weak. I get doubtful. I get in the mully grubs. Has anybody ever been in the mully grubs? You find that juniper tree and crawl up under it and feel sorry for yourself. I know none of y'all do that, but I do. I've, I've got there, and, 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 and the whole time God's saying, I give you air. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm taking care. I watch over you. I'm keeping you safe. I'm meeting your needs. 52% of the world, over half of the world lives on $2 a day. And he said, I've given you more than that. You're richer than over half of the whole world. Wow. Isn't that amazing? You know, I think what happens is, is we start focusing on what we don't have instead of focusing on what we do have. What do we do have? An awesome God. We have a loving Father. We have a, we have a Savior who died so we could be forgiven. Yeah. Hallelujah. Listen, I want you to look in Acts chapter 12 in verse number, verse number 1. We're going to read and, and, and just take a few moments and, and, and preach on the subject. Let us pray. Let us pray. You know, prayer is a activity a duty and a responsibility that is the most neglected in the house of God we enjoy the singing we enjoy the praise and I do man I dig it I get into it I love every bit of it I I, I love it when we sing and 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 pray and I, let me give you another hint too I said this in the early service too I went I was in Wilmington North Carolina two weeks ago we were visiting my my wife's family and her brother we went to her brother's church and they're just a little different than we are I mean well, they're a lot different than we are. I, I mean, they, they, they do things different, and the music's different. And, and, and the first few songs they were singing, uh, I didn't know any of them. I, I didn't know the words. I didn't know anything. And I mean, they're, they're really getting with it. They're enjoying it. And I'll be honest with you, my feet started hurting. Has that ever happened to anybody in here? Anybody ever? You're, you wouldn't tell me if you did. But I did, I, I was kind of, you know, they were singing and they was into it, but I just was having a hard time with it. And I was thinking, man, I went, well, I hope this is the last song. And I, I know that's real spiritual coming from the preacher, but I couldn't help, I just, I couldn't get it. And then the, th the last song they sung, I knew it. And I started singing, 
I started singing with them. I was getting with it, you know. And, 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 and you know what? A miracle happened. My feet quit hurting. You know what? I think if we would learn to get in it, if we would learn instead of coming spectate and watch everybody else worship, if we would start worshiping, well, I don't know the song. They got the internet, people. We can, we can get the song, get a list from Brother Jalen. Here's what I've been doing, because he's been singing stuff I didn't know too. So I get the songs off the internet, and I'll listen to them during the week, and then I'll know them when I get here. And I promise you this, it'll cause your feet to quit hurting and say amen. amen. All right, just a, little, just a little thought, amen. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Aren't you glad you can smile in church, amen. It says, now about that time... Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. There's a very key word right there, certain. Uh, listen, he was after specific ones in the house of God. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. And they were the days of unleavened bread. You see the three amigos named right there. The three most key people in the church movement of that day, Peter, James, and John. Do you realize the devil knows it as good as we do that everything rises on, on leadership and rises and falls on leadership? And if you can attack and cripple the leadership, you cripple the organization? This was no, this was no accident. This was no, uh, listen, this was a strategic plot and plan from Satan to cripple the church by attacking its leadership. He kills James. Listen, he's after Peter. He arrests Peter, and he intends to do the same thing to him. It says, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him. Sixteen soldiers, sixteen men to guard one prisoner. It says, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but. But. I don't know if y'all have looked around lately, but it's getting bad around here. This is a perilous situation that we just read about. But. Prayer was made, listen, without ceasing of the, say it with me, church. church, unto God for him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your touch. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to see in this particular chapter, to really really get the gist of it and, and the significance of it, you've got to go read the chapter before. In the very first verses of chapter number 12, it says, And about that time, and about that, about what time? About what time? Well, about the time that God was moving in a great way. If you'll go back and look in chapter number 11, you'll find out that God was moving. The power of God was being felt. People were being saved. Lives were being changed. They decided, now watch this, they decided to start giving. They decided, look, there's going to be a, a, a great uh, uh, dearth. There is going to be a great famine. And they said, hey, we're going to get together. We're going to take up some money. And we're going to support God's people. We're going to support the, uh, the Jerusalem church there. And basically, they decided to give to missions. And when they decided to give to missions, the devil raised his hand. How many of y'all know that every time that God moves, Satan's right behind him? 
Every time that God stands up, every time that God decides to move in a great way, you know, we, I quoted this morning Cam Newton. He said, when the Lord be blessing, the devil be messing. And that is the truth. That is the truth. Anytime God moves, Satan's claws are going to be right behind him. So if Satan is knocking on your door, honey, that's good news. That means God is up to something in your life. And Satan will always move. And he came against the church. I mean, he attacked the church in the worst kind of way. This is is a devastating situation. Two of the most highly regarded men in the early church, the most important people in the early church, one was killed and the other one is incarcerated waiting on a death sentence. And the church is in trouble. Listen, what'd they do? Did they try to, did they try to uh, listen, get a petition signed? Did they call the legislator? Did they call the politicians? No, sir. They found a place, got together, and went to praying. I want to give you two points today. Two points, and that's it. And then we're going to go home. Two points. Number one, I want you to see the need for prayer. The need for prayer. When Jesus' disciples came to them, they did not say, Lord, teach us to preach. They did not ask Jesus to teach them to sing. They did not ask them to teach us a good organizational structure for for our our church that we are going to get developed. They didn't ask for none of that. But they did say, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. The most fundamental, most powerful thing and activity and responsibility that the church has is prayer. And it is the most neglected. Jesus said himself, he said, my house shall be called a house of singing. He didn't say that, did he? He didn't say, my house shall be called a house of preaching. Now, I love preaching, and I believe we need preaching. I believe in good gospel Bible preaching. I like preachers that preach when they look like they got bumblebees in their pants. Say amen. I want them to look like they believe what they're talking about. I want them to believe and preach it like they believe it and preach it just like God's Word says it. But I'm telling you, that's not what God said. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And that's the very thing that we're doing the least of. But there was something this, this early church, and this, listen, this first generation church knew more above anything that there was power in prayer. There was something about prayer that could change things. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And as the rivers of water, he turn it with us or ever he will. They saw God answer prayer in miraculous ways. And they said, we got to stop everything we're doing. The church is in trouble and we need to pray. Well, preacher, I just don't really think it's all that bad. I, well... The Bible says in the last days, in the last days, perilous times shall come. I believe with all of my heart we are living in the most perilous days the church has ever faced. Perilous times, dangerous times shall come. And we're living in those days. So what makes you think it's perilous? I believe it's perilous because of the deterioration of our country. The deterioration of our country. Look around. Listen, we, we are in financial bankruptcy. Do you really realize how bad that we are in the financial state in our country? Because we have gone crazy. Our government has lost their minds. You can't keep borrowing. You cannot borrow your way out of debt. 
And you can't keep taking it from people who are working to give it to people who are not working. That does not work. That's not good government. And now we are reaping what we sowed. The job market, we're in 9% unemployment. 9% unemployment. Trillions of dollars, not billions, not millions, but trillions of dollars in debt. Financial bankruptcy. Not only financial bankruptcy, but we're in a moral bankruptcy. There's never been, there's never been the spirit of anti-Christ, anti-God that we are seeing now today in our government. Everything, everything. They're trying to take God out of everything. They don't want to hear about God. They don't want to hear the mention about God. They don't want anything to do with it. And God is the only hope for our country. And that's the last thing they want to hear. Now, I don't know if you believe this or not, but you, you, you mark it down. I said it, I'll sign it, and I'm telling you the day is coming when your liberties are going to be gone for good because we have stuck our head in the sand and we are saying, this is America, it could never happen here. Honey, it's already happening here. Our country's in a bad way. The deterioration of our country, the deterioration of our liberties, the de- deterioration of our freedom, we need to pray. We need to pray for our country. Listen, there's been many times we've whined about it, but how many times have we got down and prayed for our country? I mean, really prayed, really sought the face of God, really beseeched the Lord in prayer and came corporately as a body of Christ. But I'm telling you, I bet you can remember last time you whined about the country and the government. I can. Boy, God has convicted me about that. When I see the deterioration of our country, it shows me we need to pray We need to pray. When I see, listen, when I see uh, what's happening, the decline in our churches, we need to pray. So is it that bad? Our church is going good. Let me tell you. See, here's what happens. Here's what happens. If you are involved in a vibrant church, if you are involved in a, in a, a church with a little life in it, you think they're all like that. Ladies and gentlemen, that ain't the case. I read, I read a statistic this week that said that the, the, the continent of the United States, now listen to this, the continent, North American continent, is the only continent on the planet where Christianity is in decline. Think about that a minute. The North American continent was once known as the missionary sending center of the entire world. And now it is the only continent where Christianity is in decline. I've asked this question a hundred times. And every single time I've asked it, I usually get the same answer. What is the fastest growing religion in the world? And the number one answer I have, I have received, the number one answer that is given to me, when I say what is the number one religion in the world or the fastest growing religion in the world, and everybody says Islam. Now, they're half right. They're half right. It is not the fastest growing religion in the world. Christianity is the fastest growing religion in the world. But Islam is the fastest growing religion in the United States. What is happening? Satan is attacking the leader of missions in the world. That is the United States. Now there are other countries sending missionaries to the United States. Do you see what's happening? When God be blessing, the devil be messing. 
Listen, our, our churches are deteriorating in, listen, right before our eyes. And we have people that are stubborn. We have people that will not listen. We have people that will not look around. As long as I can look in my little congregation and I have what I want and I see what I want, then everything is fine. I don't care. Let the world go to hell. People are more interested in preferences than they are people. They're more interested in their traditions than they are truth. They're more interested in going to services instead of being in service. I'm telling you, we have made glorified entertainment more popular than anything. When God says, don't just go to church, I need you to be the church. We're going to more services than we've ever been before. And, and the light of the world is getting darker and darker and darker in our country. We go to conferences. We go to camp meetings. Listen, we go to revivals. But what's happening? Our country's still going to hell. I thought about something I was mowing yesterday. It's amazing what you can hear from God on a lawnmower. I'm telling you. Listen, I have a friend of mine that's... It's doing a lot of uh, uh, youth rallies. And this group will come here, and then they'll do one here, and then they'll do one here. And boy, God just whispered in my heart, we need one for lost people. We need a youth rally for lost people. Think about that. We need meetings for lost people. Do you realize Billy Graham was the most criticized evangelist probably of our time? But there'll be more people sitting in the portals of glory because of Billy Graham than probably any missionary besides Paul, the Apostle Paul. You know why? Because he was willing to do what others wouldn't do. His heart was more for the lost than it was for pleasing the saved. We need to get back to that. Well, I just don't think it's all that bad. Preacher, I, you know, it, ain't, it can't be that bad. Let me see if I can share with you just a few numbers. 1,400 pastors in America leave the ministry every single month. Every month. Less than 20% of churches recognized or appreciated their pastor in some way annually. Only 15% of churches in the United States are growing, and just less than 5% of those grow by conversion growth. In other words, they may grow a little bit, but it's because they got mad at that church and now they're coming to this church. It's not about reaching the unchurched and the lost around us. 10,000 churches in America disappeared in a five-year period. The number of people in America that do not attend church has doubled in the past 15 years. Listen, there are almost 100 million unchurched Americans. 11 to 20% of them claim to be born again, but they have left either the church or, or never connected for some reason. I, only 23% of church attendees say they attend a small group for growth or accountability. Only 65% of Americans donate to a place of worship. Evangelicals, however, are 85%. They donate to their church, but only 9% actually tithe. Only 9%. One out of every church, one out of every four church attendees are considered church hoppers. On average, just 7% of new church attendees are formerly unchurched. Leading church analysts Lyle Shaler, George Barnett, and Michael Regal stressed the alarming truth that over 80% of American churches are in plateau or decline. 80%. Listen, this is scary. 
The United States now ranks third following China and India in the number of people who are not professing Christians. In other words, the U.S. is becoming an ever-increasing unreached people group. Third in the entire world of people not reached with the gospel. Half of all the churches in the U.S. did not add any new members to their ranks in the last two years. Every year, more than 4,000 churches close their doors. I don't know about you, but I think we need to pray. Now, some of you may not think that, that that's, that's that big a deal. But I don't know if you know this or not. But the only thing that holds back evil is good. Do you realize the reason that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed was not because of the homosexuals in the, in the city? Everybody says, well, God destroyed it because they were full of homosexuals. I don't know about that, but they're the bunch here in the United States. And there's a bunch in many countries around the world. That wasn't the deal. That's, that wasn't what was going on. God said, if you can find five righteous people, I will spare the city. And the point God is making, he said, if the salt has lost its savor, it's good for nothing but, but to cast out into the street and trampled on. There was no salt in the city. There was no godly influence in the city. There was no holiness and righteousness in the city. So God destroyed it. The only thing that's keeping back the evil in our society, as bad as it is in this world, are the churches around the remnant of God-fearing, Bible-believing preachers that are preaching the gospel that's holding back what's going on in our world what's going to happen when them are gone well I won't be here but your grandchildren will your children will who's going to stand up and teach them that Jesus loves them this I know for the Bible tells me so if our churches are dying by the thousands who's going to be here to tell them that Jesus saves what are you saying preacher I'm saying this we need to pray when I see the direction and the deterioration of our country, when I see what's happening in the decline of our churches, we need to pray. When I see the desertion of our Christians, we need to pray. Look, I, I looked up that word desertion. I was trying to alliterate this thing, and I said, God, what word do you want me to use, and how do you describe? The word desertion means this, the abandonment without consent or legal justification of a person, post, or relationship and the associated duties and obligations. Let me read that again. What's happening to today's Christian? They are abandoning, they're abandoning their, their relationships, their posts, their responsibilities, and the duties and obligations that go along with it. In today's church, we have churches that are filled with Christians who, as long as it's comfortable, as long as it's convenient, they're willing to do or be whatever's asked of them. But according to my Bible, that is totally anti what Jesus said. Jesus said, if a man will follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If a man is going to follow me, he's going to have to die to his wishes, die to his wants, die to his comforts, die to his dreams, and take up my cross, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus said that we will suffer. Jesus said we will go through persecution. But Jesus said in the end, it will be worth it all. It doesn't matter what happens on this side. On the other side, it'll be worth it all. But nobody wants to suffer for Jesus. 
We think because we sat out in the heat last week, we're suffering for Jesus. I didn't like it. I didn't want it. Thank God for air conditioning. We'll cut our own, baby. We'll cut our own. But I'm telling you, there, there are people every, all over the world that's sitting out in that same heat to hear the gospel and are glad to do it. And we whine. And I did. I'm not going to say, I put, I'm top of the list. I whined. Where's that? Man, there was a lot of cheese with my wine because I was pouring it to it, baby. I'm telling you, it was hot to me. My wife ironed black pants on a black platform in the blazing sun. God help us. See, there I go again. I, it's just... We're spoiled in America. We are so, you know why it's on a decline? Because we're not suffering. Anywhere in the book of Acts that you saw Christians suffering, the gospel exploded. But when they got settled, when they got comfortable, well, I just don't like that. Well, honey, you better tighten your belt because God's fixing to make it tough in America. You know why? Because we've gotten settled. I know. Some of y'all, y'all don't believe this. Let me help you. Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. God gave the church the mandate. Ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the mandate. That was their responsibility. That's what they were supposed to do. Y'all with me there? Acts 1.8. It's there. I promise you it's there. I want you to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth and take the gospel to the people. That's what I want you to do. They had the mandate, chapter 1. Chapter 2, we know what happened. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down, filled them with the Holy Ghost. Son, I mean, they went to preach and Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, saw thousands saved. Saw thousands saved. They had the mandate, chapter 1. They had the message, chapter 2. Chapter 2, they had the message Peter preached, said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, and saw thousands saved. Chapter 3, they had the miracle. They had the miracle, Peter and John going into the temple in the hour of prayer, and a man's crippled there. Peter said, Silver and gold of my number, such as I have given I leave. Rise up and walk. The man jumps out. Wow! Here we go. God's moving. I mean, the church is on a roll. God's giving them a mandate. God's giving them a message. Now God's giving them a miracle. We need one more deal. We need one more deal. The Bible says in chapter 4, they begin to sell things that they had and brought it to the disciples' feet and they, they financed the work of the ministry. They brought the money. Now they've got the mandate, chapter 1. They've got the message, chapter 2. They've got the miracle, chapter 3. They've got the money, chapter 4. But they stayed in Jerusalem. They didn't go nowhere. Guess what happened? In the next three chapters, they had hell on earth in the church. They had somebody who lied. God killed them right in the house of God. Aren't you glad we're not in Acts? I'm talking about the husband come in, lied about what he gave, trying to steal glory from God. God, bam, killed him right. I mean, rolled him up right there on the spot. Preacher Brown, where I went to Bible college, Preacher Brown preached a message one time, God will roll you up. Amen. His wife comes in and lied too. Didn't know what had happened before, lied to, bam, God rolled her up. They rolled her, and great fear came on. And that, that, that was necessary in the early church to get it going. Listen, we should be afraid of sin, ladies and gentlemen. I know we're living in a really politically correct society where churches are not allowed to preach on sin anymore, and people get their feelings hurt when they're preaching on sin, but you're in the church. You need to hear it. 
Well, they dealt with that, and the next thing, a bunch of people started fighting and complaining about they didn't get their groceries. The widows were complaining, and this was fighting and arguing. I mean, problem after problem. Then the, the number one deacon in the church gets stoned. Look out, Brother Mickle. Amen. And then you know what happened? The Bible said great persecution came on the church. Why? They had the mandate. They had the message. They had the miracle. They had the money for missions. But they never went nowhere. You know why? It was comfortable in Jerusalem. It was comfortable. But let me see you what God's interested in. I, I, didn't, I didn't see this in the early service. I had to remind them next week of this. But I want you to see. In, uh, let's see. Help me. Help me. Uh, uh -huh. Brother Travis, right here in, 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 in chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. Talking about Stephen. Saul was consenting in his death, and at that time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were scattered abroad. Y'all ain't going to believe where they were scattered to. Through the regions of Judea and Samaria. <gasps> that was what the mandate was. Now watch what happened. Therefore, this is so cool. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. You say, why is that? What, that, what, that don't have nothing to do with us. Oh. How many of y'all believe the Bible when it says where much is given, much is required? How many of y'all believe that? How many of y'all believe that God has blessed the United States greater than any country in the entire world? You know why? Because it was founded on godly principles. And a desire to get God's word out. And it was one of the greatest nations in the world to send missionaries in the gospel. So when America was taking care of God's business, God was taking care of hers. But see what's happened now, we have been blessed. We've got the mandate. We've got the message. We've got the miracle. We've got, listen, the money. But we're not doing what God told us to do. The salt is not getting out into the world. We're not going to unreached people groups. We're fixing to. And you know what God had to do to get their attention? Great persecution. Can I be just honest just a minute? Because I done made some of you so mad you ain't coming back anyhow. But can I finish this? You know what? All America's cared about in the last few elections is who's going to put money in my pocket. It don't matter if they keep killing babies. It don't matter if they support a homosexual agenda that's an abomination to God. It doesn't matter what happens. Just who's going to help me get my job? Our morals have gone out the window for the sake of our money. So, God says, okay. I'm going to take that too. The very thing we have tried to save by sacrificing our morals, 
God says, I'm in control of that too. Since this past election, jobs have gone from 7% to 9%. Unemployment rate. It's going higher. Now here's, that president, I knew this is a Democrat and all your problems. Drop that. Forget about that. God's running the show. I don't care who's in that White House. God's going to get the attention of the American Christian, and he has because he's done dug in the most tender spot we have, our back pocket. What do we do? I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to pray. The Christian has lost the sense of sacrifice. We will serve as long as it's convenient. We will serve as long as it's comfortable. But as soon as it gets uncomfortable, whoa, whoa, I'm not having fun anymore. We'll have a responsibility, we just won't even show up. Not call, not say, hey, I, you know, just won't show up. The Bible says in Proverbs, when you put dependence on an unfaithful person, it's like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. Now, I ain't never had a foot out of joint, but I've had a broken tooth, and that's painful. Where has faithfulness gone? Where has the sense and the spirit of sacrifice? I'm willing, it's not, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, here am I, send me. Now, Lord, let me see if I can find it in my schedule. Jesus said, he said, unless a man hate his father and his mother, sister and brother, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Man, that's pretty stout. Now, before you leave and say, well, Jesus wants us to hate people, what he's saying there, it's a hyperbole. It's an exaggerated statement to prove a point. We use them all the time. My, my wife uses hyperboles with me all the time. I've told you five million times to please pick your socks up off the ground. Now, obviously, she ain't said it five billion times, but she's trying to make a point. Are y'all with me? What Jesus is saying here is your love for me has got to be so great that your love for everything else seems like hate. That's pretty stout, isn't it? But see, he's got a reason. He said, what man, what man who goes to war does not sit down and sees what it's going to take before he goes and loses? What man who is intending to build a building will not sit down first and count the cost and see what it's going to take lest he start building and not be able to finish? He is not saying I'm, we need to count the cost. He's saying I've already counted the cost. And if we're going to get it done, if we're going to change our country, if we're going to reach our families, I need a sold out soldier for Christ. We need to pray. We can't, have, we can't have halfway Christians. I know this is just a symptom of the time we're living in because if you go back and, and read the book of Revelation, the Bible says in the last days there's going to be a real Laodicean spirit, which means lukewarm. We want to go to church and let everybody see us in church, but we still want to drink our toddies. We want to go to church and let everybody think we're okay, but then we want to still do that little stuff on the side that we know God's not pleased with. 
We'll fight with our spouses like cats and dogs and, and scrap and go after and cuss each other out and then pull in the parking lot and throw in a smile. Now, I know there's no, there's no Ken and Barbies in this building. Trust me, everybody goes home. But I'm telling you, if that's the case all the time, you need to get some help and you need to get some counseling because that's not a godly home. And we need to have a godly home. We need to have a godly family because the families around us are going to hell. What are the families that are lost around your house? What are they hearing and seeing on a daily basis? Can you go witnessing to them and not be a hypocrite? If you can't, we need to pray. We need to pray. The Bible says he killed James. And he said, Peter, I'm going to kill you too. And then we'll see what's going to happen with this church. But, thank God for the buts in the Bible. But, prayer was made of the church. There's a verse in the Bible that's very important. And I'll say these three things, and I'm, we've such enjoyed ourselves today. See, that's what happens when I put on a suit. I get so serious. I don't know what. The Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. See, that's the problem. We don't want to humble ourselves. Humility says that I'm weak and I've, I've got a need. And we don't want, to think, we don't want people to think we're, we're weak. But Jesus said, if you'll humble yourself, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will heal your land. He said, I will answer your prayer. It's not hopeless in America. But it is if we don't pray. It's not hopeless in our country, in our communities, in our churches. We can turn this thing around. But we're going to have to pray. Preacher, you ain't never seen my family. You ain't never seen my household. You don't know what we're facing. We're like gas and, 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 and water, and we're like gas and fire. We'll light it up. And, hey, amen. It needs to be hot at home. Say amen. Pray about it. Talk to God about it. Amen. Cast thy care upon the Lord. It says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. Don't carry it around. Don't whine about it. Go to God about it. Amen. I don't like the way you lead this church. I don't like the way you... Well, have you talked to God about it? He'll do one or two things. He'll change me or he'll change you. Amen, Either way, we'll both be happy. I don't like my wife. Have you prayed for her? You don't know that sorry thing that I married. You picked him. He, why? Pray. Pray. I'm telling you. Three different things. How many of y'all have ever had that, oh, worrying so much your stomach hurt? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about bleeding ulcers I'm developing. And I just said, guys, I couldn't. Wednesday morning, I got all my staff together, got them in my office and said, look, let's pray about these things. Three different situations I've worried to death about. I'm just going to tell you, I was not a man of great faith. I was old ye of little faith. I, I was probably old ye of no faith, to be honest with you. Because I don't, I just, I'm, I don't like confrontation, and it was going to be them type of situation. God, I don't 
And we began to pray, and we prayed about it. By 3 o'clock that afternoon, God had fixed all three. How many of y'all have ever been in that nervous state, in that, that, and, and you just, you're all tensed up? Well, I was like that. Even after God had done fixed all of them. And I went into the store to get a, a uh, uh, mean bean drink that I was not supposed to have because of blood pressure. But I needed one. I really did. And, uh, and I come back out, and I'm just feeling it. And it was like God said, why are you all tied about? And I thought, well, you done fixed all of them. And I was still tense and, and tight. And, and God said, quit worrying so much. You know, I heard somebody say this. If you're going to pray, why worry? And if you're going to worry, why pray? Isn't this elementary, ladies and gentlemen? What are we going to do then? Our churches are a mess. Our country is going down the toilet. Christian, we're going to pray. Some of y'all are not familiar. See, ain't no sense in getting a rush. You're going to get drowned if you go out there now. God said, I'm going to keep them there a little longer. Amen. <laughs> Bless God, I got 15 minutes on the clock. Y'all ain't going nowhere. Amen. Some of y'all, some of y'all were not here when we were in the little building. When we were in the little, and I'll say this real close. We need to pray because there's power in prayer. The Bible says when they prayed, when they prayed, God sent an angel and broke him out of jail. Broke him, took the chains off of him, 16 soldiers got by. I mean, it was such a major powerful move of God, he thought he was dreaming. He thought he was dreaming. Now watch this. When we were in the little building, I, I've told us a bunch before, we got new people, but when we was in the little building down there, it would hold 97 chairs. And I know that because the first day I walked in the building, I counted every one of them. 97 chairs. It was little, it was small. And boy, I, had a, I was excited. I had a dream. But we didn't have nobody. And the ones we had didn't like me. Some of them. Listen, every week I'd have everybody on the whole left side all the way to the front. And let me tell you what kind of motivator I was. I mean, I was a dreamer. I was a proclaimer. I'd put it out there. I was casting the vision. I said, ladies and gentlemen, one day we're going to fill up this whole side over here. I mean, all the way to the back, we're going to fill it up. And you know what? We did. But you know how we did it? We started praying. When we were in that situation, I'm not going to tell you a lie. It wasn't all peaches and cream. It, it, when preachers tell stories about stuff, they make it like it was all just, we were just floating in the glory. and all. It was hard. There was times of tears. There was times I was ready to quit. And I said, guys, we need to pray. I read a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. If you read, it ought to be a requirement to get into heaven for people to read that book. I don't like reading that well. It's only that thick. It's a good one, though. It's a small one. Say amen right there. I started reading it one afternoon. I could not put it down. I read just about the whole book to the next day. I was so enthralled in this book. It's the story of the Brooklyn Tabernacle and how they went from a basement, dismal, dark situation to what God has blessed them to be right now. You know how they got there? 
prayer. I said, if they can do it, we can do it. So we turned our Wednesday night into prayer meeting. That's what we did on Wednesday night. We prayed. We took the Lord's Prayer. We took the Lord's Prayer, and we laminated each part of it. Our follower chart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's praise. Then we said, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's program and his plan for our life. And we would give those out to each guy. And we would pray and pray. And you know what? People started getting saved. God started moving. God started shaking things. We filled up that whole side and started spilling over into the other side. Somebody say amen for spillage. Amen. But we had spillage going on. And man, I said, listen, we're going to fill up this whole other side. Hallelujah. We tore out a wall and we extended it out. And when we filled that up and, and listen, we got this building here because we prayed. It wasn't always because everybody had great faith either. Because when I first came, we were on the roof over there putting that building on. And, and, and I had some of the gentlemen there from the church. And I said, I said, guys, can't y'all see a 500-seat auditorium on that hill? They said, nope. I, th I thought at least lie to me. I'm new here. Amen? They just, it was just, but we started praying. And God started moving. But you know what's happened? When God blesses sometimes, we forget where it come from. And it is so typical and it's so natural to do that, that when things start going good, we stop doing what got us there. It's like marriage. We try to woo each other. We try to, we try to do everything in the world to get that other one to like us. And then when we get married, we forgot what it took to get us together. And we quit dating. We quit doing what it was that brought you together in the first place. And you end up leaving it and breaking it and destroying it. It don't need to be that way. Well, preacher, what are you going to do about it? We're going back to praying. Satan attacked the leaders in the church. And we're going to pray for them. I want the guys to come up. All the, the administrators over the different departments. I want you to come up. Over first impressions, uh, first impressions, missions, small groups. I want y'all to come up. This was, Brother Travis, come up here. You help us with, with missions. I want to tell them who you are too. Listen, the Bible says that Herod tried to vex certain of the church. In other words, he targeted, he pinpointed certain ones. And if you will look at it, it was the inner three. Three names are named, Peter, James, and John. You know why? They were the pillars of the church. How many of y'all believe this morning that everything rises or falls on leadership? You, you know who else knows that? The devil. And if he can target the leaders, he can get the church. Some of y'all don't know who these guys are, but we're going to introduce them to you. And then we're going to pray for them. This is Brother Chris O'Neill.